And we're looking at specifically spiritual disciplines that we can input into our lives where we can engage God and where we can deepen our relationship with him. You see, God isn't uh, distant. Uh, He is near. He's near to our heart. He wants to be in relationship with us. And he gives us ways that we can connect with him. And uh, that's what we've been talking about in this series. And so uh, whether you're jumping in today for the first time or you've been with us, uh, we hope that, uh, that this will speak to you, that God's word will speak to you. We can go from there. You know, chances are uh, many of you might be like me in this room where uh, you want to see something different in your life in 2021, right? We, we all have maybe uh, things that we've set aside that we want to see change. January is kind of that time of year where we want to set goals or we want to set some things in our life that change. And I'm, I'm not talking about, hey, let's get out of 2020, uh, forget about COVID, forget about, about political unrest, right? I'm talking about things that we want to see different in our personal lives. You know, for many of us, maybe that's uh, you, you want to change your health, you know, and you want to change the way maybe you're eating or maybe it's a, a workout or maybe it's getting into the gym. Um, my, my little brother passed away about two and a half years ago, a pretty tragic thing for our family, a very difficult death, and uh, I was really into, up until that point, this thing called CrossFit. I don't know if anybody heard about CrossFit. If you know anything about CrossFitters, uh, most people don't like them because that's all they want to do is talk about CrossFit. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but w- what happened was is right around that time where he passed away, uh, our family got really just hurt and depressed. I think for me it was a, just a, a very difficult time, and so I used that maybe as an excuse to stop going, <laughs> you know, and then I was afraid to go back because I didn't want to hurt myself, which was another excuse. <laughs> so it's been about two and a half years now, and so I said this year I've let myself go. I want to do something different, and, and so my wife and I, we've started this plan, this, this health plan, and it's this thing called intermittent fasting. Has anybody ever heard of that? Like, yeah, you, you set this time frame. And then you only eat in those hours, and we're eating like this keto, keto diet, which is also terrible. The terrible, many terrible ideas that are happening. And uh, you know what's funny is like it's we're doing it from 12 a.m. to 7 a.m. or p.m. That's the only time you can eat. And, and I tell you what, the very first day I did this, I literally thought that I was going to die. Honestly, like I thought that I was going. I'm a breakfast, lunch, and dinner kind of guy, and I like I snack in between. I like food. Anybody in here like food? We like to eat, right? Okay, yeah. So then you tell me I can't eat from seven to noon, and that's not very good news. So I wanted to, I wanted to die. Uh, second, second day, believe it or not, I was so hungry. We'd call it hangry. I wanted to kill someone, right? It wasn't necessarily me. I just wanted to hurt somebody, right? You guys know how that feels. Like you're not eating and you want to hurt somebody, and then now. From uh, day two until we're about three weeks into it today, everyone's wanted to kill me every day. So, as you can see, that's not working out very well, but we're giving it our best. But maybe for some of you, it might be that you're wanting to work on your marriage. You know, that you're, you're kind of... You're kind of just coasting and you want to go deeper in your marriage. Or maybe there's some marital issues that you're saying, hey, this is the year that we're going to work on this. We're going to do something about this. Maybe, maybe it's finances. You know, I, I, want to, I want margin in my life. I'm sick of just kind of living, uh, you know, paycheck to paycheck. And so I'm guessing, I think, for the majority of us in a room of this size, there's probably some of us who want to see some things change in our lives in 2021. And maybe uh, it's, it's kind of like... Uh, all New Year's resolutions, right, we usually start off so good, and we have all the right intentions, and then before you know it, we've failed miserably, right? You know, they say some 86% of New Year's resolutions fail by the first week of February. 
So if, if you're still going, that's good. I'm going to pray for you to, to make it to second week of February. But uh, maybe we have these good intentions, but for some reason it just, uh, we always fail, right? Have you ever noticed that, how, how hard it is uh, to get through something that you really have a good intention? And so what we've been trying to do in this series is to look at things that we can incorporate in our lives that will really bring us a joy-filled life, life to the full, and, and not necessarily some of these other things that we've talked about with health and, and finances and relationships. All of those, yes, very important. But we believe that the most important relationship that you can be healthy in is your relationship with the living God. And so God gives us ways that we can connect with him. He gives us disciplines that we can incorporate in our life to where we can, uh, you know, we can draw nearer to him. You know, I think when it comes to this idea of discipline, uh, it's, it kind of gets a bad rap. You know, it's, it's, discipline isn't easy. It's oftentimes difficult. It's not really fun. You know, if you have to do things that you're not really accustomed to, it's not, it's not fun. And so it gets this, this bad rap. And then we start to throw in, like, spiritual disciplines. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Now you're telling me that I have to do this, this, and this in order to check off the boxes in my relationship with God, right? If I don't do these things, I'm not going to be good enough. Or, hey, you know what? I have very little time in my life as it is. I've got a family and all of these things. And now you want me to engage in spiritual disciplines? Like, really? <laughs> you know, if, if you're at church and you usually say that God loves me, right? And so if God loves me, is it going to really make a difference in my life, if I don't engage in these spiritual disciplines, well, you know, my hope is that as you've been coming maybe over the last few weeks, or if you're here today, that you would see uh, that the goal of spiritual disciplines isn't to make ourselves, to make you and me more precious to God. That's not the goal. You see, the goal of a spiritual discipline is to make God more precious to us. And so we have to understand that this is a way that we engage and we connect with God in a way where he becomes everything. And when God is everything in our lives, then everything else just filters through his hands, the giver of life. And you know, we all have these goals, we all have these intentions, we all have what we want to see different in our life, but when it comes to execution, everybody has varying levels of discipline. And so that's why I think we see differences in, in people, that some people are successful, some people aren't. Some people are in better shape, some people aren't. You know, one of my favorite pastors, uh, his name's Craig Rochelle, he, he's a pastor of a church called Life Church. he said this that really resonated with me. He said, uh, desires, desires don't determine who you become. You know, we can have all the lofty expectations of who we want to be, of what we want to be. Desires will not determine who we come, become. Disciplines determine who you become. Desires do not determine who you become, but disciplines do. And again, I think we all have this idea of how we want to be better, but we all have varying levels of discipline. I think most of us would say, hey, if I'm in a marital relationship or a relationship with a significant other, I don't go into that relationship saying, you know, I want a bad relationship, right? I don't go into that relationship saying that, that I want difficulty, I want marital strife in my relationship, when we all could agree with that, right? I mean, I think we go into our health. I don't think many of us would say, well, yeah, in my life, I, I don't want to be in shape. In my life, I want to be winded when I walk up the stairs. Like, no, no one is saying that, right? Or finances. I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck or any of these things. Nobody wants that. But you see, what happens is, is we have lofty expectations of where we want to be, but oftentimes the discipline, we don't put the work in to get us to where we need to go. 
And you know, I, I would say really as well, that's not only in life, but I think that's also in our spiritual life. Uh, I think that, you know, we want to be connected to God. We have this natural desire in us to be connected to God, and, and sometimes we want to do better, uh, but oftentimes it's like the Apostle Paul. You remember what he said? He said, I try not to do these things, but I do them anyway. I get engaged in sin. I have all of these things in my life, and I'm doing my best, but it's just not happening. Well, the truth is, is it's not about how, how much harder we try. It's about the intent and the heart behind the trying of it. And so I think that's what God wants us to know today is that we can have all the best intentions in the world and even spiritual intentions, but if we're not willing to be disciplined, if we're not willing to engage God in these disciplines that we've been talking, talking about, uh, then we might not see the result or the reward that we're all wanting. Let's pray. Father God, I, I ask that you would open up our hearts to receive from your word today. God, let this not be a message that comes across condemning or of pressure of anything, but God, let this be more of a message that, that you're the living God who wants to be in relationship, a personal relationship with your people, and you give us opportunities. You're not distant, you're near, and God, you want to engage in a, a very personal and intimate relationship with us. And so God, I pray that that would encourage us, it would challenge us to want to press into you more, God, to want to know you more and to want to engage with you more. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, so over the last couple of weeks, if you're joining us today for the first time, over the last couple of weeks, a few of the disciplines that we've looked at, uh, the first was prayer, right? And prayer is this idea of communicating with God. And it's not just in moments of crisis. I think we're all really good at communicating uh, to God in crisis. God, would you help me? God, would you step in? But really, it's more than that. It's Having a healthy, communicating relationship, every good relationship has healthy communication, and God wants us to be in communication with him. That's, that's prayer. Uh, and then we talked about fasting. Fasting is uh, maybe uh, this idea where we give up something maybe good in our life, and we do it because we want something better. We want to connect with God. And so that could be food, it could be drink, it could be social media, it could be uh, just giving up something that we have in our life. And in the time that we give that up, we focus on our relationship with God. And today we're, we're going to talk a little bit about some different disciplines, if you will. Uh, these are disciplines that maybe many of us haven't heard of, and they're called pacing disciplines. And really the purpose behind all of these disciplines is to find ways in our life to slow down so we can connect with God, so we can love God more, and that we can connect with others, we can love others as well. And so these are ways, I think, that we can create margin in our life uh, so we can say, God, you're the most important thing, and I'm going to do things in my life uh, to, to make that the main thing. And so uh, what we're going to do in these as we kind of go through these three talking points, the first is maybe uh, the idea of uh, what it Im impacts in our life if we don't engage in these spiritual disciplines. And then the second part is uh, the spiritual discipline itself. And so the first one is this, is a hurried life or a busy life keeps us from being present enough to love God and to love others. And so it's this idea that we have so many things going on in our life, we're wrapped up with life and the situations and circumstances and scenarios, that it takes away our presence in our relationship with God, and maybe it's our relationship with our spouse or our family members or at work or whatever it might be. 
And so the spiritual discipline uh, that counteracts that or that impacts that is called slowing. And slowing is really intentionally putting ourselves in situations to slow down, or we would say wait. And so it's saying that I am going to take time out of my busy life to slow down and to connect with God. You know, I think this is something that all, all of us can relate to. I think if you have a job, you have deadlines to meet, right? We have things that we have to do. Uh, you have appointments that you have to make. We're a time-oriented people. We're a time-oriented culture. We have watches on our hands, and we're always looking at the clock. We have emails bombarding us and appointments and work and all of these things. And what happens is it's so easy to get wrapped up in the busyness of life that we miss out on the vital connection and being present in our relationship with God. And you know, I would say it would oftentimes takes it a step further. I know in my life, I'm a, I'm a busy OCD workaholic kind of guy, and so I work all day, and then I go home, and then I'm checking my email, and then I'm checking text messages, and then oftentimes when I want downtime, I'm checking that thing we call social media, right? Checking up on everybody else's life. I know it's kind of creepy, but we all do it, right? You know what I'm talking about. And so there's been times in my life where my wife has had to say to me, Chris, you're not, you're not being present with your kids. You're not being present in this moment. You've been at work all day, you're at home, you're not being present. That's pretty humbling when your spouse says that to you. Or, you know, there's so many things that we have going on in our life. Uh, you know, there's events and there's uh, life and, and work and jobs. And if you have kids, there's school. And if you're a student, you have things that you have to meet and projects and all of these things. And before you know it, you, you spent all of your time and energy focusing on your life, but you haven't connected with the giver of life. <laughs> you know, I think this is something uh, that, that many of us can, can, can learn from and can grow in and can glean in. So here's the discipline. The discipline is saying that I'm going to slow down, and slowing down takes the pressure of everything else, the, the things that are controlling and shifting and shaping my life, and I'm going to say, God, you're more important than those things. And so I'm going to be present in my relationship with you, and I'm going to be more present in my relationship with others. You know, um, I'm, I'm a sports guy, and so I, I love to watch sports. Every once in a while, there's not really good sports on TV, but somehow there's always NASCAR on TV. Anybody here love NASCAR? Okay, that's okay. Good. None of us do. Fantastic. Okay, so, but when I'm not watching a sport that I love, usually you can turn and watch NASCAR. You know what's so super interesting about NASCAR, and I think it, it really relates to, to this, is there's this little thing that happens uh, at the very beginning of the race, it also happens when there's an accident or there's chaos on the track, and this thing is called the pace car. You know the pace car? Like they have all of these souped up cars and you put this like little beater in front, right? And he sets the pace for the race, and then he leaves and all of a sudden they're going full speed. You know, there's an accident, there's chaos, there's difficulty on the track, there's something going on. The pace car comes out and he sets the pace and he gets everybody back in order and then they go on to race. You know, I think what happens in our life is we get so busy. It's pedal to the metal. It's go, go, go. We've got so many things to do. We've got so little time to do it. And before we know it, our lives are in chaos. You know, and I believe with all of my heart that God wants to be our pace car, at least at the beginning of our day. 
maybe if not in the middle of our day and even at the end of our day, God wants to be our pace car. He wants to be the one that sets our pace. And I believe that he deserves that, that he should get our very first attention and say, God, what do you need to do in my life today and how do I need to to lean into you and to press into you so that you can be everything that you need to be in my life? And you know, uh, I think we see an idea of this in Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 17. And it starts in verse 1 through 3, and it says this. It says, Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and he led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light suddenly. And suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. You see, he, this is a miracle that happened. This is Jesus revealing himself uh, to these, uh, his disciples in a new and refreshing way. This is called the transfiguration. And so he shows his glory to them in a new and refreshing way. And I want you to notice what happened. He said, come with me. Let's go away. Let's go here. And then when they went there, he revealed himself to them. I mean, just this amazing thing. And you know, sometimes God is saying, listen, I want to take you somewhere. I want you to, to go away, and I want, you to re, I want to reveal myself to you in a new, fresh way. And I think what happens is many of us are like Peter, and we read in the next verse 4 and 5. It says, Peter, Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. Like, wow, this is amazing. And he says, if you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But listen, it says, even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this was God Almighty speaking. He said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And listen to what he says. He says, listen to him. You see, Peter, in the presence of God, was busy. He said, oh God, this is amazing. What should we do? Should we make a memorial? Should we do a shrine? Should we say, this is what you did, so we'll always remember this. We'll always remember how you revealed yourself to us. And in the midst of him saying, with this and that, all this busy work, God Almighty said, listen, I am bringing you here to show you Jesus in a new way. I'm getting you out of the busyness of life to reveal myself to you, and you need to listen to Jesus. And here's the deal. I think... Uh, for Peter, what he was doing wasn't a bad thing. I think he was trying to honor Jesus. I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing, but what God was saying is, look, it's more than that. You know, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to bring you life and life to the full, but you know what he says directly after that? He says, the enemy, which is Satan, he comes to destroy, to steal, to kill, and to destroy And so I think what happens oftentimes is Satan doesn't always want us uh, to to do things to make us feel bad. Satan engages us and he allows good things to happen because he wants us busy. And you know what? When we're busy, we miss out on connecting with the Almighty God. We miss out on nurturing and flourishing in our relationship with him. We miss out on engaging in our relationships and with our spouses and with our kids because we're busy. There needs to be time that we have in our life where we just slow down, where we breathe, and we say, God, would you be the main thing? Would you say, man, I love you, honey. I want to hear from you today. (laughs) Let's have a conversation. Let's do whatever it needs to do so we need to connect. You know, instead of being tired after a long day of work, it's going in and spending time with your kids before they go to bed. All of these things where we're making ourselves more present, that's what slowing is all about, getting away from the busyness of life, 
and connecting with others. That leads us to our, our second point. The second thing that we'll see is this, is that a crowded life, uh, a life full of events and things that are going on and things that I value, a crowded life gives the world to, uh, permission to shape us, to mold us. You see, when we get caught up in things of this world, oftentimes before we know it, we're going with the way of culture. We're going uh, the way that culture wants us, but this idea of solitude, which is getting away, solitude is withdrawing from this constant uh, barrage, if you will, of things that are going on in our life, of stimulation, of events, of difficulty, of tragedy, or whatever it might be, and we're getting away from those things to let God can transform us. I think there's a little bit of uh, runoff in between these two disciplines, but life is so busy, and it's so easy to get, to, to get distracted. It's so easy to just get caught up in wanting to do the next thing or the next event, the next thing that stimulates us, the next thing that brings us joy or, you know, whatever it might be. We, we're so busy, and we have so many things in our life. I know for me, for me in my life, it's, it's work, and then it's, you know, wanting to have fun, and then we have kids that are in sports, and so we're always chasing something, <laughs> We're always chasing an event. You see, what happens is, is when the events become the main thing, it's easy to get swayed into going the way uh, culture or the people that you surround yourself with see life and, and that kind of thing. But, but God wants something different from us. He wants balance, I think. And we read about it in Romans 12 too. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but instead let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And you see, the way that that happens is by setting aside time in our life to get away again and to connect with God. I think also there's some similarities uh, in runoff between fasting here. You know, fasting is giving up something that's very important to us to connect with God. And in the middle of that time, it's saying, I'm giving this to you, God, and I'm saying you're more important. I'm going to work on my relationship with you. And so... You're saying, God, you're more important than events. God, you're more important than sports. God, you're more important than my family. <laughs> Maybe sometimes you need to get away. God, you're more important than my wife. I need to get away, spouse, whatever. But some of us never get alone. We never make time for ourselves to connect with God. Look how Jesus did this in, in Mark chapter 6. You know, I think what we could do is we could look at this passage. Sorry, it worked, and it skipped ahead. <laughs> this thing usually never works for me. Uh, but in Mark chapter 6, uh, it says uh, that Jesus did something. Now, we could probably title this in Mark chapter 6 as Jesus' busy week. So if you want to just like highlight in your Bible, say Jesus was really busy here. But what had happened was is he was just re uh, rejected in Nazareth. So he was rejected, and, and he had uh, encouraged his disciples to now start the work of their ministry. And so he commissioned his followers and he said, uh, look, I'm going to commission you now. And what happened also is he had just experienced a very gruesome death in his family. His cousin, John the Baptist, was beheaded. And so Jesus here, uh, in this moment, uh, he has all of these things that are going on. And I would say it's probably, you know those weeks that you have that are so emotionally and physically exhausting that you just are like, man, I don't even know how I'm going to get the energy to do this. Uh, this is how I think that, that he's, he's experienced it. Maybe you can go back, uh, Nick, because we don't have the, the scripture up. It's one back or maybe forward. There we go. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all that they had done and taught. And then listen to what Jesus said. He said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place 
and rest a while. (laughs) And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. I mean, here's what you have to understand is that, that Jesus came here on a mission and he was making himself known to God. He was bridging the gap because of our sin. So if we were in relationship with Jesus, that we could be in relationship with God for eternity. And so he was always on the go and he was healing and he was doing miracle after miracle and he was experiencing the busyness of life. And you know, I think there's a moment here where his disciples come and say, listen to all the things you just commissioned us. Listen to this. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm beat and we need to get away and we need to refresh. You know, I think this is such a great picture for us to say, man, like even the most spiritual person, even God himself, Jesus in the flesh, needed to get away. And so I think for many of us is we feel like, you know, if we, if we, if we get away, we're being lazy or there's expectation that we've always got to be doing something. No, that's not a, 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 at all accurate. There has to be moments in our time or in our life where we unplug from the world, where we, we, we disconnect from the things of this world and we say, God, I need to connect to you. I need to get away and you need to do what you need to do in me. Jesus carved time to get away and so should we. Husbands, you, you should carve time to get away from your job. You know, you need to come home and you need to decompress. You need to go hunting. Sorry, wives, they need to go hunting and fishing if that's what you do. I don't do that, but if that's what you do, great. Whatever you do, you need to do it. Wives, you need to do the same. I mean, my wife, she needs way more than I do. It's a full-time job working at home, and it's a full-time job happening. And she has a, a job, and so she's juggling all of these things. And, and there are times where I need to step up as a husband and say, you need more time away. Kids, you need to get some time away. You need to decompress, and it's not on Fortnite or it's not on whatever game you play, but it's really seriously decompressing and saying, I'm going to get out of the things of this world. And you might be thinking, well, this is crazy. I've got kids. I've got all of these things. What does this practically look like? And I, Maybe it's not getting away necessarily. Maybe it's waking up an hour earlier than everyone else and just saying, I'm just going to rest. Maybe resting is with a worship music or in your word, whatever that might be. I'm going decompress. Maybe it's before you go to bed. Whatever it is, we have to do that. That leads us to our our last point. last point is this, is that a selfish life tempts us to use our words to control things. You know, a selfish life, uh, we're always in communication, we're always using our words to control and to direct and sometimes to manipulate, believe it or not. But there's this spirit pacing discipline called silence, and silence is choosing. It's choosing not to speak. And in those moments, it's allowing God to speak to us so we can learn to submit. Are you uncomfortable yet? <laughs> I am. Silence is extremely uncomfortable, isn't it? I mean, that was like 15 seconds. I was going to try to go a minute, but I was just, my heart was going really too fast. It's embarrassing. It's uncomfortable to be silent. We always feel like we have to break the silence. We always feel like we have to be communicating. We always feel like in relationship that we just can't sit and be in each other's presence because we have to say something. We have to, to communicate, and if we don't communicate, then, then it's just awkward, it's weird, it's all of these things. And if you like to talk like me, then it's really hard for you. It's super, super hard for you. 
And listen, we're, we're so used to having noise around in our life. We're so used to being in constant communication and music. And for those of us in quarantine who have uh, binge-watched Cobra Kai, you know, we got to have Netflix on all the time, right? I've been binge-watched Cobra Kai, and I'm not going to be afraid to, assume, or to be ashamed to say that. But you know what's happened after two, three full days? You know what's happened? I've realized, well, what have I done to encourage my relationship with God? That's <laughs> You know, like, what have I done to allow God to speak to me? What have I allowed God to do to communicate to me? And you see, what happens is, is I think for many of us, because we are so uncomfortable with silence, we always want to be communicating. And, and, you know, I think about this in my own life, and maybe you're the same in prayer. When it comes to prayer, uh, it's easy for me to say, God, I need you to do A, B, C, D, E, and F in my life. God, I need you to step up here. God, I need you to do this. God, I need this. God, 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 God. And then what do I say? Amen. And I go back to my life. There was no time in there for God to say, let me tell you what you really need. You know, I think that's so important. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 through 2 is something that I think is just straight to the point, straight to the heart. It says this, it says, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. <laughs> it's the Bible, not me. It's evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth so let your words be few we're on the next slide nick you know i I think for me when i first became a christian i didn't know how to pray i didn't know how to read god's word i didn't know how to have any of these do any of these things i just was a broken person and i met jesus and i was like okay my life has to change and it wasn't until i went to bible school that someone actually taught me how to pray and one of the things they said in, in prayer was like it starts with p it's like this acronym, P-R-A-Y. P is praise. God, I praise you for everything that you've given me. You deserve that more than anything in this world. God, you are worthy of that praise. And then I repent. God, I got things in me that are separating me from you. It's called sin. You're a, a gracious God. You sent your son Jesus to die for me. And the only way my sin's forgiven is if you forgive me. And so I repent and I ask you for that forgiveness. And then the A is asking God, God, do what you need to do in me. Or God, this situation in my life, I need you. I'm asking for you to to interact, but I'm trusting you. And then there's this this why at the very end, and it's called yielding. And yielding is saying, I'm just going to listen. I'm going to make it an effort in my prayer time with God where I'm going to listen to him. As uncomfortable as it is, I'm just going to be quiet, and I'm going to let him speak to me. And sometimes that might be, you know, 15, 20, 5, 2 minutes. <laughs> Maybe God won't, doesn't speak to us in the way that we really feel like he needs to. But it's saying, God, I'm going to set aside time in my life to listen to you. You know, the, the, the times in my life where I haven't heard from God are the times where it's been all about me. You know, the times where I've said, God, you speak in only the way that you can speak, and I'm here to listen is the way that he's speaking to me, spoken to me most clearly And I hope that you can practice that in silence. Let God do what he needs to do. Let's end with this, Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I know what you need. I know what you want before you even ask. All I want for you is for you to trust me, to listen to me, to set aside aside time for me, to be silent so I can speak to you. And listen, desires, desires don't determine who we become. Our disciplines do, and so we discipline ourselves to engage God in this way. That's what I pray for you, and I pray that for me as well. Let's pray. God, thank you that you want to be in relationship with us. Thank you, God, that you love us and that you care about us and that you are, I'm not judging or condemning. This isn't something that, that 
um, you require us to do. This is something that you ask us to do so that we can be in a relationship with you. God, wherever we are in our, in our faith today, help us to take the next step to connect with you intentionally. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.